1: Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time we gather for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests and I am glad you're here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy and that means that no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you are here for a reason and I hope that something in the next hour lights you up and helps you move forward. The profound bond that exists between us and our beloved pets. That's undeniable. It's magical. It's powerful. In fact, its existence has been proven by science. Now, Dr. Dennis Thomas, who's the author of Whole Pet Healing, is here today, and he's here to make a case for holistic pet care from the quantum level up. He believes that we can tap into our human-animal energy connection for insight into head-to-tail well-being. Are you ready to meet him? Dr. Dennis Thomas has been a veterinarian for more than 30 years. After two decades of practicing Western allopathic veterinary medicine, he learned traditional Chinese veterinary medicine and became certified in veterinary acupuncture and Chinese herbal therapy. He's the author of the new book, Whole Pet Healing, published by Hay House. And one of his greatest joys is in educating people in direct healing for their animal companions. You can find out more about Dr. Thomas and his work at drdennistomas.com. Dr. Thomas, welcome to Out of the Fog.
0: Well, thank you for having me.
1: Oh, you're you're very welcome. I think where I'd like to start is to find out a little bit about what brought you to this place on your journey 20 years as an allopathic practitioner. What is it that changed things for you?
0: Well, I, I think back on it, and I, I believe that uh, I've always been a person that has been interested in the the things that can't be explained. I've, it, they've, it's always intrigued me to uh, something that can't be explained—it's—it's it's, it's attracted me, and that—and that's probably what led me to that. The first, I was lucky when I was in veterinary school back in Texas years ago. Um, we had a an, ex, uh, an experience with some alternative medicine, and and it it was an eye opener, and um, it was something that you you kind of couldn't forget. We had a um, an old horse that was at the veterinary school that had really bad chronic pain in the back, and and we this horse had actually been abandoned and uh, so we had the horse there for several months and so we tried we worked on that horse with everything that we could work on with our conventional medicine and treatment and we just couldn't offer this horse any relief at all and we couldn't put the horse to sleep because of the legal matters with the abandonment so we had to continue to keep this horse alive and try to do something for it which we weren't very successful and then one day uh, they called all of us senior veterinary students then to the uh, large animal facility. And they and they brought this horse in, and then a group of about four or five uh, Asian veterinarians, I think they were from Japan, they came walking into the room and were introduced to us, and they started doing acupuncture on this horse. And so after about, they put needles in this horse, and after about 20 minutes, we all of the students, we were all rolling our eyes and giggling and, and kind of laughing under under our breaths and stuff like this because we, we thought this was voodoo. And uh, so anyway, after about 20 minutes, they took all the needles out, and one of the fellows put a, a saddle blanket and a saddle on the horse, cinched it up, got on his back, and rode around the room, and the horse was obviously not in any pain at all. So you had about about 50 veterinary students who were getting ready to graduate from veterinary school, and all of us were, our mouths were wide open, our eyes were wide open, and we just couldn't understand what had what just happened in front of us. Wow. So we, we had a little taste of it back then, and I was intrigued by what I saw so it's kind of always within me. And then as the years went by, I had more and more people that were telling me that um, they had relatives or family members or friends that had had alternative medicine done on their pets that had been successful. And so there was something always poking at me inside saying, hey, you need to, to open up to this. And the more I got frustrated with the limitations that we had in Western medicine, the more it just was a natural thing that I could get out and start looking around. So I did. I uh, taught my partners into letting me go back to school and to learn Chinese medicine, and then the rest is history. It's just been movement from uh, Chinese medicine into energy medicine and spiritual healing, and it's just been a wonderful, wonderful transition.
1: When you share, there's so many wonderful stories in the book and whole pet healing. As you share these stories, as you meet these um, companion animals and their caregivers, what have you come to understand about that bond between us and our pets it's very powerful isn't it, it
0: it's it's more power, it's it's i can't even begin to scratch the surface of how powerful it is and and how meaningful it is i i'm finally starting after 34 years of working with uh, uh people and their pets and that's what what's always been my my the, the, what's intrigued me the most. I love taking care of pets, and I love helping them get well, and and working with that. But I've always just been intrigued about this this connection that we have with our pets, and and just how meaningful that is, and how deep that goes. and And I, so I've studied it for many, many, many years, and and I ask questions to myself and to other people that that allow me to to move in there and and and, and study that the depth of that. And when when I got into to the understanding of how the energetic bodies work and the energetic field works, um, then it even made it more profound. It made it even more meaningful and, and more understandable, and how powerful it is. And it is so so meaningful, so powerful that that, like I said, I can explain how things work and how 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 deep it goes, but I, I can't even imagine how much I don't know of uh, that in, in regards to that, because I see it every single day, uh, a, a new experience that comes out and I'll go, wow, you know, I've, i just, <laughs> I've learned something more and, and it just, I keep learning more and I keep learning more. And, uh, it is, it's a very, very powerful thing. And, and, uh, maybe one of these days we'll be able to explain it more, but, uh, it, it's a great thing. Yeah,
1: well, I loved what you said about always being interesting in things that didn't have complete explanations. I think sometimes the, some of the deepest, most profound experiences that we have are those things that we can't quite get to the bottom of. And it may be the same with alternative medicine and these different modalities as well with holistic care. We can't always put everything in a box like we would with Western medicine. It's in this box or it's this box, right? But we are tapping yeah. into something deeper maybe than that.
0: Well, we are. And it's the problem, I call it the problem, the problem we have in, in medicine, and it's both veterinary medicine and human medicine, is that uh, tapping into these deeper unknowns and, and, and not being able to explain things is, is contrary to, to what Western medicine is all about. Western medicine is, is based on the foundation that, it, that we can predict it in a, in a probability, and that gives us security. And so that's what we're—that's what we focus more on our on our, our research is to determine exactly how things work, so that we can we can predict exactly what's going to happen. And that and and the problem with that it it narrows our focus and narrows our focus and narrows our focus, and then we become incapable of of letting our minds expand beyond that to to include other possibilities. It, it contradicts the Western Western-based philosophy. Of medicine, the perspective of Western-based medicine, which is based on on, on proof. We have got to have proof. We want to be able to prove it in the lab uh, that exists. And if we can't do it in the lab, then then we can't uh, we can't prove that it exists. We can't d- depend on it, and there's no probability there. So we don't want to deal with it. And 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 that's in science. That's how science sees things. In in. If, if we understand the history of science, we understand how this works because the, what, what Western medicine is, is, the whole perspective of Western medicine, whether it's veterinary or human, is based on the material body. And medicine, see, Western medicine sees the, the material body as this, this lump of organic material, and it's very, very focused on how this lump of organic material works, all the way down to the biochemistry and the enzymatic reactions and what have you. And so everything that that functions, according to Western medicine, is based on the material world. And those are based on the laws and the theories of, of uh, Newtonian science. And we studied it for years and years and years, and we're very, very good at it. The problem is it's very narrow-focused. It's very narrow-focused. Narrow we don't even, t- now we understand, we're starting to understand, and and we know, phys- according to physics, that, that our, our body is not just a material body, but it's an energetic body as well. And it, and it has its own role as an energetic body, and it reacts energetically and it also reacts with other energies outside the body and it has a very very dramatic influence on how our body functions and Western medicine doesn't even doesn't even isn't even open up to the possibilities that it is an energetic world because it can't be explained into the into the lab <clears throat> and because it's not based on on uh, Newtonian science, all the energetic perspective of the, of the material body or of the, of the body is based on quantum physics. And so you have to hold, go into a whole new set of laws and theories to explain how the, the energetic body works. And that's what we're working on right now. Those of us that, that work with energy medicine is trying to bridge that gap and explain using two different types of science how that the body can work both as an energetic body and as a material body. And so that's, that's unique. I mean, there's a lot of people. Bruce Lipton, uh, who was at uh, Stanford, he's done a lot of work in cell biology and the effects of, of the energetic uh, body and the extra the extracellular energy and how it affects the material body. And and he, he said, he proved in his lab that the cells, the individual cells in our body, are 100 times more sensitive to energy than it is to the biochemistry. And so we can't ignore the energetic perspective. It's, it has a dramatic influence the most dramatic influence on our bodies and on our pet's body. And once we see the body as an energetic perspective, then we could work from using those laws and that we can expand our possibilities when it comes to health care.
1: Is it your understanding, your experience, that all living things have an energetic body as well as a material body?
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Everything. And We know that, uh, uh, again, in the lab in the, in quantum physics, what well, what what we do is we, we look at the body and we break it down and we break it down and we break it down. And what what Newtonian science did, did was it broke it down to the to the atom where we had the atom and that was as far as it went. We broke it down from the cells to the molecules and to the atoms and then it stopped. And then what quantum quantum physics has done is said okay let's take it further. Let's look at that space, that void. And what we realize now is that that void is energy. It's pure energy. It's source energy. And that source energy is what makes up our body. It makes up all of our bodies, but it also makes up that space that exists between the bodies. And so we're all energetic. We all have this same energetic uh, uh, common denominator that that exists in all of us. And that's why there's no, at that level, there's no, no, uh, uh, object here and object there there's no separation there's no time there's no space it's just like you said when you're in your show introduction there's no there no time no space and that's exactly what it is that that is at that energetic level well, and once we know that and we know how that that dimensional energy works then we start to understand how how it affects our material body and how it affects our health and I'll give you a good example you take uh emotions well let's say we have an emotion like uh sadness okay all of us have experienced sadness, and we know that sadness exists. Now we we've, we've hung a concept on it called sadness. But if I say, "Are you sad?" you you have you've, you've experienced an emotion that you call sadness. Okay, and we've all done that. Now, if we took sadness and we looked at it medically, we could say, "Well, sadness doesn't exist because we can't we can't reproduce that in the lab. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't make that valid by using our our." our uh, our scientific methodology. But we've all experienced it. We know that it exists, but but science can't prove it because it's an emotion and emotion is a subtle energy. So what does that mean? It means it's an energy that's beyond our senses. And so our senses limit us. And so even though we've all experienced sadness, we can't quantify sadness. We can qualify it, but that's subjectivity. And subjectivity is something that that. uh, the material sciences says we, we we don't allow subjectivity. We want objectivity. We want probability. So so when things like <clears throat> emotions or, or thoughts, we which we all know we all live in in our minds most of the time. And we have we have thoughts. And we experience those thoughts, but according to to Newtonian science, it doesn't exist because we can't we can't reproduce it in the lab. But what we're finally starting to understand is that subtle energies like emotions and thoughts. Not, not only are they real, but they certainly have an effect on the physical body. And we know now we're finally starting in, in medicine, we're finally starting to agree that, yes, long-term stress, long-term emotional stress or unhealthy psychology leads to, you know, diseases, imbalances that lead to disease, diseases and what have you. So we can't ignore these what these subtle energies are doing to the material body. And that's what's been l- limiting our, our health care in both pets and people is that we've only been dealing with the material body even though we're starting to understand that those subtle energies have a very, very dramatic effect on our health care. We can't continue to ignore that. We have to get into the energetic understanding of how the body works, the relationship between those energies, between ourselves, our pets, and our environment, and how it all, how it all works. That's the definition of holism. Looking at everything from that dimensional perspective. Because it is. It's a series of dimensions. Upper dimensions falling down to lower dimensions. And the material body is at the lowest dimension that exists. And we've got to understand all dimensions that are higher dimensions that have a cascading effect on the material body and how the and how health works, healthcare works, how the body works.
1: That's tremendously rich because it's also as as I'm understanding you, it's also all about Relationship. So my relationship with you as we're having this conversation, my companion animal's relationship with me and my relationship with her, my relationship with everything that is, and we are, we don't know it, but we're kind of trading emotion, trading thought, trading energy back and forth, often without awareness that we are doing so.
0: It, yeah, and I think that's important that you point out without awareness, <clears throat> because whether you you understand how this works or not? It's happening. Yeah. So whatever you're spending time with your pet, and we all all of us that love our pets spend time with our pets. You know, we all you know, you have a pet that that follows you around the house and what have you. Now, what's going on is you're having a change at all times when you're in when you have a connection, a conscious connection with that pet. You've got an energy exchange that's going on. The uh, the quantum physicists call it entanglement. It's very real. <clears throat> you take. You take two, two pendulum clocks and you put them on a, mantel, on a mantle and you, and you start the, the, the pendulums swinging in opposite directions. If you come back later, those pendulums will be swinging in the same directions in synchrony. It always happens because energy will find a balance. That's called entanglement. So what happens is you as an energetic being and your pet as an energetic being, when you're connected, Energetically, which you are when you're in having conscious awareness of that pet, then then you're going to have entanglement occur that occurs. Now, if you're living in a in a situation that you're unhealthy, whether it's uh, uh, the emotional distress, psychology, the environment, maybe uh, <clears throat> you're grieving, maybe you're uh, in an unhappy relationship, whatever it is that's causing you stressful then your energy becomes negative energy and it and it's counterproductive not only to your health but it's also going to be counterproductive to your pet's health too we absolutely know that exists and so i I, I was telling somebody the other day that that because I only do alternative medicine now and I see so many cases that are are chronic cases that have been gone have gone through the whole system of the western medicine and, and they they've run out of options and that's when I see them about twenty to twenty five percent of the patients that come in the door the people that bring them in the 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 person that has the, the closest relationship to them has this same exact disease twenty to twenty five percent of them I'll have a lady that comes in and her uh, her cat's got asthma she's got asthma. Uh, a fellow comes in. The dog's got diabetes. He's got diabetes. On and on and on. It happens all the time. It's 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 a mirroring effect. It's energy affecting the material body and manifesting as as a, a specific disease. It happens and it, it can't be denied. But the problem is in Western medicine, we don't even entertain that possibility of that happening. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I've proven it over the years to myself and to the, to my clients that if if there's a connection like this, and a, and part of the source of that is coming from the, the, the caretaker. Then, if I don't help the caretaker's energy level move back towards a, a healing effect, then I can't do anything for the pet as well. I, I'm just I'm spinning my wheels, and so so sometimes it's really hard for me to, to address the the whatever's going on with the, with the caretaker. But what I do know is how energy works. And what I do know is how healing works. So what do I do? They love their pet. They absolutely lo- love their pet, or they wouldn't be in my office. And so I work with that. I mean, if you work with love, you're never gonna you're never gonna go wrong. So I work with that loving bond that they have. So what do I do? Is I treat the pet, and that's what they're there for. But what I'm doing is I'm I'm wor- I'm working on healing using them. So what I do is I teach them techniques on how they can direct healing for their pet. So what they're doing is they're. They're taking the role as the healer. And so they go home and they practice guided meditation or whatever it is that I, I help them with. And what are they doing? They're healing themselves in the, in the, at the same time. So I'm getting, getting healing of both energetic parties. works really well.
1: If you were to only treat the pet, could you lift the condition on the pet, but then if they went away with the odor, they would come back with the same condition? Is that what would happen?
0: I don't know. I, re, I don't know. Uh, all I know is what I've seen and what, I, what I've seen is that if if that caretaker doesn't heal, yeah. then I, I'm not going to have any success with the pet. That's why so many times in veterinary medicine we have diseases uh, that we see routinely, routinely, that we can't resolve. There's not a veterinarian out there that can't sit there and say it happens time and time again. This case should have gotten better. This case should have cured. We should have been able to cure this. This should not have been an ongoing problem. And the problem is we don't ask the questions. Why is it? Why is it not, this not going away? Why is, why is it that it went away with this, this cat but it hasn't gone away with that? You have to be able to expand your mind. You have to be able to step back and look at things holistically and say, what other influence besides the material body can be going on with that pet, and where is that coming from? And so you look, and and most of the time it's coming from the environment. And so you look at, you have to look at that. But Western medicine doesn't even want to look at that. They they don't, we don't even explain it that way. So that's the problem. And so all I know is that you just can't get them, you just can't get them resolved. You can't, it's just an energetic uh, interference there.
1: And for those of us who love our pets and who are maybe concerned because that's as you start to talk about this and as i was reading um as i was reading whole pet healing the 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 stories of this kind of connection are there and then i start to think about uh uh-oh what about the times that my sadness or my anger or my great joy or my illness or my great health how is that affecting my pet it's also a wonderful way for us to start to think about how in relationship the energy we hold is what comes to those companions we are affecting those we live with, not just our companion animals, but our partners and our children and the people in our community. Exactly.
0: Everything. Every, every, and you know, it goes much higher than that. It's everything. And it's, our, it's collective consciousness as well, you know, because if I help you direct healing for your pet, your, your sick, sick or Ill, Ill pet, not only are you directing healing for the pet and yourself, but you're also direct healing for the collective consciousness as well
1: and this is part of how I always say this on the show, but this is part of how the good people take over the world is by de- oh Yeah. Right. By deepening that awareness of connection and changing that energy mindfully being aware of what you're putting right. out there. And that's how the good guys win. So, <laughs> so there you go. Yeah.
0: And, and, and it's, and you, those of us that have, have been into the, the spiritual metaphysical, uh, our, our pathway for a long time, we, we we believe how these things work, but there are a lot of, you know, there, it, it, we were all skeptics at one time and, and there's always skepticism in us. So, so my job and a lot of the people out here that are doing things like myself, our job is to, is to, to bridge that gap so that that, it becomes more valid. It, 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 in other words, we've got a very, very skeptical, especially those of us here in the West, we're very skeptics. We're, we have a, a, skeptic, a skeptical unconsciousness is there that says, I believe this. And then this little voice in our mind says, yeah, but do you really believe it? And what I'm saying is the more that we can sit down here and prove how this works, then we can build this bridge between Something that that used to be called voodoo, now it's called mysticism, and now we can just realize that, hey, you know what? This is the truth. This is absolutely the truth, and this is exactly how it works. Mm. And then there goes the skepticism. You know, we we would like to think that we're all uh, spiritual enough to not to have that skepticism, but we're also ego-driven human beings, and we've got that that ego voice that always wants to be skeptical. So we have to accept that and deal with it. But and that's a very big thing when it comes to to health uh, to to healthcare if i sit there and tell you uh, you know how how to direct healing and stuff like this and it sound, if it sounds too too mystical or too voodoo to you you're you're you a lot of people aren't going to go home they're not going to buy it they're not going to go home they're not going to commit themselves to it they're not going to and but if but if i can explain it in a way that it makes sense not only are, does it, it satisfies that part of the brain that needs that rational reasoning, but it also aligns themselves with that truth and that awareness that's inside them that they don't even know that's there. Mm. And so what do they do pretty soon? They're participating and they're excited about it. it and what the, the, the thing that's nice that I've got an advantage over, like the human clinicians is that, like I said, people do things for their pets that they won't even do for themselves. That's you know, right. You know, right. they love their pets so much they're, they're willing to, to make sure they get this or make sure that so they're they'll do things for their pets that they won't do for themselves and so that's a real advantage for me oh, i'll just yeah. tell them say let's go we can work on this together and we <laughs> can get your pet healed and boy they're all excited and run out the door and they next week they come in or whatever next time i see them they're so excited they're giving reports on what they've done and and how you know and so it's it's all this you know what that is that's empowerment it that's is. empowerment, and that's what it does. That's that's what, because look at the healthcare system right now, both veterinary and humans. You, the the whole thing is we're we're victims of this. <laughs> we feel like we're victims. We're, we feel like there's uh, we're we're not in control. You know, the the medical system tells you this is what you got, and this is what you have to take, and you just have to do it. And mm-hmm. that's what the problem with healthcare. Healing, healing is not about victimization. Healing is about empowerment. You—it's realizing you have ability to direct healing. You have the ability for no matter what they tell you that you can direct healing, mm-hmm. and that's absolutely fact. Now we're it's re- my job to teach you
1: we are right up against the bottom of the hour. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. My guest is Dr. Dennis Thomas. He's the author of Whole Pet Healing, a heart-to-heart guide to connecting with and caring for your animal. We'll be right back with Dr. Thomas after this.
0: This week's episode: Danger at the Old Well.
1: Last one to the old well's a rotten egg. Ha ha! I win. Whoa! Ah! Sassy, Johnny fell down the well. I'm wet. What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl.
0: What? You'd rather use this time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold. <laughs> People shouldn't
1: be afraid to adopt from a shelter? Because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? What? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more
0: self-reliant? Sassy! What'd he say? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Remember, Adopt. come to the forest it's a place not so far away a place where you don't have to mow the lawn or babysit
1: i saw lizards and squirrels and bugs ladybugs caterpillars it's really cool actually
0: a place where you don't have to make time for free time
1: lots and lots of kinds of species here
0: out here you may even meet the mysterious creature known as the other you the enchanted you It's magic what flowers do. The adventurous you.
1: My favorite tree, yes,
0: that one. The free-to-be-me you. (laughs) Ask
1: your parents to take you to this not-so-far-away place. Come to the forest, where the other
0: you lives. But first, stop by discovertheforest.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hey, Larry, mind if I sit down? Nope. This coffee tastes like uh, coffee. So what's going on? Not much. What's new? Not much. Okay, but can you please put the newspaper down while you say not much? What what newspaper? This newspaper. Oh, dude! What happened to your face? I see one, two, three, four, five, six... Dude, what is this? Eleven pieces of toilet paper stuck
1: to your face? I'm shaving in the dark to save energy. I'm helping the environment.
0: That's a dangerous way to help the environment. Well, sometimes you have to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Dude, there's an easier and safer way to help the environment without sacrificing yourself. Go green, go public, take public transportation. It's good for the environment, and you won't have to live behind a newspaper. Wow. But for now, put the newspaper back up. A message from the public transportation systems across the country. To learn more, visit publictransportation.org. Now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio. EmpowerRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and my guest is Dr. Dennis Thomas. He is the author of the new book, Whole Pet Healing: A Heart to Heart Guide to Connecting With and Caring for Your Animal Companion. You can find out more about Dr. Thomas and his work at Dr. Dennis Thomas. And of course, I always welcome your feedback and your comments about what you're hearing today. I'd love to know a time in your life when you experienced that bond with your animal companion, when you were really brought into a deeper awareness of your relationship. You can always find me through my website. That's KarenHager.com. And I welcome your comments. Now, Dr. Thomas, before we went um to the break, we were talking about that connection, about how there's more there than we can quantify. There's more there than we can explain. You have a wonderful quote in Whole Pet Healing that I pulled out. I f- it I found it very moving and it feels true to me. Our pets are a continuous source of alignment with truth. And that to me sums up that beautiful connection that we have with our pets.
0: The, those of us that have, have meaningful relationships with our pet, we feel <clears throat> that there's something deep in this relationship, even though we can't understand it. And that's, that's what this whole premise is about, about energy. It comes into play. <clears throat> so uh, I'll give you a good example. This is, this is, um, uh, well, I've been using this technique for many years and, and, uh, to direct, to direct healing for our pets. And and the, the people at, at, at HeartMath over in California have been doing a lot of research too on uh, the connection, what we call the heart-to-heart connection. Um, and that's part of the, I think that's part of the subtitle in my book. But this is how it works. And it's, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful experience. <clears throat> Whenever we are in, in connection with our pet, if we sit down, imagine yourself sitting down with your pet and, and being alone with your pet and you're good, and, and suddenly you're let's say you're petting your pet and you're and you're looking in your pet's eyes and and you're you're assuming the position that are that you're you're feeling this this act of gratefulness <clears throat> excuse me so here you're petting your pet and you're and you're feeling your this this gratitude this thankfulness that they're in your life how much joy they bring to your life every day. And you're, and you're just, you're feeling this. And then and what do you feel? You feel it in your heart. Your heart opens up. Your heart just, and then what happens, and we know this, we know this, when your heart opens up and, and when you're in that state of mind, that state of consciousness of, of gratitude and love and, and, and compassion, your heart opens and then what happens is is what I call your source, your truth your your love uh, spirit whatever you want to call it universal source god whatever you want to call it it flows through your heart it flows as an energetic as an energetic component and it connects you to your pet and so you have an energetic connection through your heart from your heart to your to your pet's heart now not only are you energetically connected to your pet when you're having these heartfelt senses between yourself and your pet But what we know now with the work that's happening over at HeartMath is that when you're experiencing, when you're at that that level of consciousness, that your heart is in a state, what we call a state of cardiac coherence. That means your heart is functioning at its maximum capability. It's working perfectly. And your heart energy controls the rest of your body's energy. And so what it does, cardiac coherence leads to what we call physiological coherence. So while you're connected with your pet in this heartfelt connection, your body is working completely efficiently, 100%. That's healing. Not only are you at that state, but your pet is in the same state exactly. You have absolute cardiac coherence. You have absolute physiological coherence. So while you're connected with this heartfelt sense, you're both working at maximum efficiency of how your body's functioning. We call that physiological coherence. That's where healing is directed. That's how it all starts. It begins with that heartfelt sense connection and initiated by that state of gratitude and kindness and love. That's what it's about. And it's proven in the lab. It's proven it affects your health, it directs your health, and, and it's a wonderful thing. And, and it's, 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 it's absolute. Wow.
1: So how can we then, before our pets become ill, especially before there is the that kind of the appearance of the some of the chronic conditions that that you mentioned earlier, how can we keep our pets healthy, and keep ourselves healthy by tapping into this deep truth of this connection?
0: Well, uh, as, as a veterinarian, I, I you know, I my primary focus is is certainly on the pet. Um, but as a holistic veterinarian, I'm I'm looking at everything. And what can we do to? What are the? What in other words? Let's summarize it in in some practical ways that we can we can benefit our, benefit our pets right now. Well, the first thing is that remember that if you have a pet that has a problem, an ongoing problem, or you come to a situation that 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 you're not comfortable with the with the outcome. Yeah, maybe maybe your pet's been diagnosed with cancer. Maybe it's got a disease that. That uh, is not going to respond to medication, or are the medications that they're being put on are harsh medications, and and what it, you're just not comfortable with the with the outcome. Remember, you've always got more options. Uh, and I'll use the exam, example as a as a cancer patient. I, I, I the last three patients I've seen were dogs that had bone cancer. This is what happens: you take a dog in, it gets diagnosed with having bone cancer. The veterinarian works through, does a great job, and they come up with an answer. Your dog's got bone cancer. This is what your options are: chemotherapy, amputation in the leg, and then, uh, or do nothing, and your dog's going to die. That's it. Option A, option B, option A or B, and C. That's it. And pretty soon your senior say, "Well, I don't. I've got this dog's nine or ten years old. I really don't want to do chemotherapy. Uh, bone cancer doesn't respond to chemotherapy." so I don't like my options. And so a lot of times people believe that's it. And so a lot of times they put their pets to sleep, they uh, take them home, everybody's suffering. Uh, but the point is, and this is really important, remember that those are not your only options. We have, veterinarians have been trained in Western medicine, and that's our focus, and it's very narrow focused. If you run into situations Consult with another, with a veterinarian that does holistic medicine, a veterinarian that does alternative. All all people that work on pets in the United States that do alternative medicine are veterinarians. That's the law. You, they, you won't see acupuncturists out there that aren't veterinarians. So they're all veterinarians. So find one that does alternative work, and they'll show you there are other options. And those options are very good. I, and I'll give you a classical example. About four months ago, I had a dog that came in. This dog, they woke up one day, and the dog was paralyzed in the back legs. Had no function in its back legs at all. Couldn't walk, couldn't use the bathroom, couldn't defecate, couldn't urinate the whole nine yards. They took it to their veterinarian. The veterinarian did a wonderful workup. Unfortunately, they told them the dog had ruptured the disc in its back, and it damaged the spinal cord, and chances were that it was never going to walk again. So what did they do? They wanted a second opinion, so they took it to the specialist. And so what the specialist did, they did the same neurological workup, they did an did a, uh, MRI of the spi- on the spinal cord, and they told the same thing. Your dog does have a damaged spinal cord. It's probably permanently damaged. The spinal cord does not heal. It doesn't have the tissues, don't regenerate. And so your dog, with the surgery is probably not going to help. So you're going to have a paralyzed dog for the rest of its life. And, and we can explain that. We understand in, with the material body that the spinal cord does not heal. And so that's why there's so many people out there in wheelchairs. That's why there's so many dogs in these little carts. So they were left with the options, the two options. This are your two options. You can put your dog in a cart, and it will move around. It will never be able to urinate. It will never be able to defecate. It will never be able to walk. Or you can put your dog to sleep. That's your two options. And so they walked out of the door thinking that was it. And they're they're grieving and they're and they're going through a lot of suffering and what have you. And then several months later they are sometime later they run into somebody and says well you know i heard that that maybe acupuncture might help now that remember they didn't get this from the veterinarian because veterinarians don't recognize that because it's not scientifically proven so they get this from their friend or their neighbor they get on the internet and they google and they find hey there's a holistic veterinarian in town and they call me up and they bring it in <clears throat> and i tell them well we've had pretty good luck with these dogs so let's give it a try and, and so I explained to him, I said, remember, from a Western perspective with science, with Newtonian science, this is all we have. Well, let's forget about that perspective. Let's move over and let's start working with the energy body. And we're going to start doing some acupuncture. We're going to do some herbs that are going to move energy and stuff like that. And so four weeks later, I'm treating this dog once a week. Four weeks later, it's standing up. Six weeks after we started the treatment, the dog's running and wagging its tail. Whoa. So from a Western perspective, the dog's never going to walk again. From an energetic perspective, six weeks later, the dog's back to normal. Huh. It's not miracles. It's different science. And what I'm saying is that we always have more options than what we get when we just look at the Western medicine component.
1: Huh. Wow. You, now, you've written that you don't believe that our pets suffer. And you've written about this very beautifully. There's, um, you can find an essay uh, at, uh, DrDennisThomas.com. Um, there's also a, a lot about this in the book. Can you share? Because I'm imagin- part of why we grieve, part of why we mourn, part of why as we go out the door with what we think are our only options is we are imagining the suffering of our pet, of our beloved companion, right? So can you speak a little yeah. to that belief? I-
0: yeah, I get that question. That, uh, I guess ever since I I probably been the first person that's ever made that statement that our pets don't suffer, and and I've gotten a lot of feedback because of that. So people have a hard time understanding what I mean. They say, "Well, my pet's in pain, so it's gotta be suffering." Yes, your pet is in pain, but it's not suffering, because first thing when we have to say, "Are you suffering or not?" is we have to define what suffering is. And suffering, suffering comes down to the fact that our mind tells us that. Something shouldn't be like this. Is our mind saying, I shouldn't be in pain or I shouldn't have cancer or I shouldn't have this or this shouldn't have happened in my life or that shouldn't have happened in my life. And that's when suffering occurs. It, uh, suffering is a result of, our, of, of untrue thoughts. It's thoughts that tell us that this shouldn't be happening where in reality it's happening. You know, and suffering is the suffering. And the, the more you suffer, is the further you get away from what's reality is showing you. That's it in a nutshell. And the only way we can do that is with our mind. You know, uh, let's say let's say you go to the doctor, and 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 the doctor says, oh my God, uh, let's say you've got some pain in your hip, <clears throat> and you go to the doctor, and the doctor takes X-rays and what have you, and he says, oh, you're you you've got degenerative uh, uh, joint disease, and this you're going to be like this the rest of your life, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And you're, and then immediately you're going, oh my god! And then your mind starts telling you all this stuff about what it's predicting your life is going to be. Oh my god, I'm going to live in pain the rest of my life. Oh my god, I'm not going to be able to, to to play volleyball, or I'm not going to be able to play golf, or I'm not going to be able to do this. And then pretty soon, now what are you? You're right in the middle of the of the of the suffering thing. Well, our pets don't do that. Our pets, when they have pain, they pain. I call it painting. They're painting. When the pain leaves, they're not painting. They don't sit back there and go. Oh, my gosh, I've got hip dysplasia, so that means I'm not going to be able to jump over the fence. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to be able to do this. or You see what I mean? They live in the moment. They're absolute in-the-moment pets. They don't think about yesterday. They don't think about tomorrow. They think about right now. They think about what's going on right there in front of their face, right there. And and they don't have the mind that's interpreting everything. When's my, oh, uh, my gosh, my my uh, caretaker forgot to feed me this morning. She was supposed to feed me at 6 o'clock Uh, it's nine o'clock, she hasn't fed me yet, so she doesn't love me. That's suffering. (laughs) Our pets are, they're, what are they doing? They're hungering. They're hungry. That's all they know. They're not attaching a story to it. So that attachment of the story is when suffering comes. You know what? I can't tell you how many pets come in. (laughs) The people are suffering. They're talking to me about the cancer. They're talking to me about how, how miserable the dog is. They're talking how much suffering and they're the ones that are suffering and the dog's sitting over there wagging its tail because it's out with its people and it's, it's with somebody new and it's getting attention and it's wagging its tail. It's the happiest person in the room. It's the happiest entity in the room. Everyone else is suffering. (laughs) (laughs) So they don't suffer. They don't. God bless them because they don't have this, this little, what I call the monkey mind that tells them all the reasons that uh, they shouldn't be, (laughs) that they should be suffering.
1: (laughs) Well, in that healing, just as, as someone who personally has an an interest in an experience of healing, it's always easier to begin that healing agreement when the stories have been lifted, when those untrue stories, when we can kind of push those out of the way, move them over to the side, that's when you can get, as you said, the more you are suffering, the more you're telling yourself that story, the farther you are from hitting the truth, getting to the essence of what's going on. So that, that state, that energetic state of the pet, may make healing easier. Does that sound right?
0: Oh, it absolutely does. It, it it interferes with it. You're 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 moving the opposite direction. I mean if you if you could step back and get out of that of that trap, that reactionary trap of the, the thoughts and the emotions that have taken you there, then you could if you could look at it objectively, you could sit there and say, Oh my God, the state of the state of consciousness that I'm in right now is the last place I want to be to help my pet. And that's all based on our on our reaction. Now let's let's take a, a case an example. Let's say you uh, and I'll use the dog that came in this morning. Here's a dog that was limping. Okay. And so what are they thinking? They're thinking, well maybe the dog fell, maybe the other dog ran into it, whatever, you know. And they bring take the dog to the vet and they're saying, Well, my dog's limping, their dog's eating, it's it's perfectly normal otherwise. And so twenty minutes later the vet comes in the room and says, Uh, I'm sorry, your dog's got bone cancer. That's a malignancy, and in six months with treatment, it's going to be dead. Now imagine that here somebody's taking this pet and they're thinking that at most maybe I'm going to have to have some pills or something's going to make the lameness go away or what have you. And then now they're told their dog's going to be dead in six months, so they're they're devastated. What's going to happen is they're going to be they're going to react, and then what what's thrown out there is this concept of malignant cancer. So here suddenly everybody's focused on. Osteosarcoma or bone cancer or malignant cancer, whatever. And then here comes the reactions. We all have a story that's based on the concept of cancer, of dying from cancer. So all these thoughts come into our minds immediately. They come up from the our, our subconscious and they, they take over. And then suddenly all these emotions are flowing. All this fear. And what's happening at a, at an energetic level is that it's becoming dense negative energy, dense negative energy, dense negative energy, and you're going the the direction of what you need to do to direct healing. So suddenly the, pe- the caretakers are in this in this state of consciousness that's dense, negative, harsh energy. And here's the pet over here feeling this energy. And if they take that home and they continue to perpetuate that perspective, oh, my God, my dog's going to die. Oh, my God, my dog's suffering. Oh, my God, my dog's doing this. Then it keeps them in that negative, fearful state. And it, it, it contributes to the problem and, instead of helping with the, with the problem. And so we've got to learn to to back away, to stop that reactionary. Take some breaths, get back, do whatever it takes. Meditate, pray, whatever it takes, and get out of that that mentality, that fear based mentality, and try to find a place, ground yourself, meditate, ground yourself, and find. And then once you get that out of the way, and Then what happens is that intuitive guidance that's always there, it starts coming through. You've allowed it. You've cleared a pathway so that it comes through. And then you start saying, oh, oh, I get this feeling that maybe I should do this. Maybe I should be calling my holistic veterinarian. You see what I mean so I'm being guided now and I'm not being I'm not trapping that guidance I'm not hush quietening that guidance because I'm in this fearful mode. but one other thing and it's it's, it's just as important when you understand the energetic components when it comes to healing is that is the power of suggestion the power the power of belief okay so you've taken this vet this dog in that was limping, and now this authority figure that's the expert has come in and told you your dog's got bone cancer. Your dog's going to be dead in six months. And so if you believe that, if you absolutely believe that's what's going to happen, that's going to become your reality. That's how it works. That's how universe power works. If you believe that's going to, and you truly believe it, and you have all these emotions that are connecting you with that, then that's going to become your reality. So that's the last thing that you want to do is to take this belief, this perspective home and say, my dog's going to be dead in six months because you know what? You can set the clock. It's going to be dead in six months unless you find a way to sit there and know that that's not absolute reality. Reality is based on what your beliefs are. And all you've done is heard from your veterinarian based on statistics and what his history says or her history says, and that's all. It's just a story. It's not the truth. It's not reality. What's reality is dictated by you and not the veterinarian. That's how universal energy works. That's absolutely how reality works. And so what you've got to do is sit there and say, thank you, doc. I appreciate the story you gave me, and I'll give that story some consideration, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to take home, take my pet home, and I'm going to let my emotions run, and I'm going to let it pass, and I'm going to find a place where I can feel good about things, and then I'm going to address this situation. I'm not going to become apathetic. I'm going to do whatever I need, but what I'm going to do is when I do start doing something for my pet, it's going to be driven by love instead of fear. And oh my gosh, look at what the magic's going to happen. Miracles are going to happen. I promise you miracles are going to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. What is it that we should be looking for when we are choosing a vet? Because I want all those options. I want to know that what I'm hearing is is the full picture, not just that kind of that limited um, fear-based perspective.
0: Okay. Let's, let's take a look at, and I'll use myself as an example. I was, it's, very com, it, it's very competitive to get into veterinary school. And so, so we are very conditioned to become very dominant by our left brain function. And you know what that is? That's linear thinking. That's cause and effect. That's uh, rationalization, the whole nine yards. So we have a personality that, that leads us into this. So suddenly we get into, into school. We go to undergraduate school for four years, and we're learning science. We're learning science based on this material body. We're learning Newtonian science for four years. And then you get into veterinary school, and then you've got another four years of clinical training that's based on what you've learned and more learning, more learning and understanding of of Western medicine, Western medicine, how it works, how it works. And then your mind becomes so narrow-focused on Western mind. And then when you get out of school and you start practice and you practice from that perspective, then because that's what you believe, that becomes your reality, then suddenly you're, it's like it's like you're looking at, it, it, let's say you're sitting in a room and you, and you pick up a straw and you look through this straw. You, the longer you look through that straw, if you look long enough through that straw, you'll become convinced that your room, that's all your room is, is what you're looking through that straw. You've totally forgotten that if you pull that straw down, there's a big giant room with all these other things that are in it. And that's what we do. The longer we stay in medicine, the more that we're Western medicine based, the more that we're focused on that narrow perspective to the point that it becomes our reality. It becomes our security. So that if somebody comes up to me and says, Hey doc, what do you think about acupuncture? What do you think about homeopathy? It doesn't, it's not in that straw. And so that makes me uncomfortable, makes me unsecure. I'm going to, and, and this happens every day. It's probably happening right now somewhere in the country. This clinician, whether it's a human or a veterinarian, sitting there saying, that's voodoo. That's not proven. That's not science. I can't tell you anything about there. I can't recommend it. I would not suggest it. It could be. And so what is it? It's our ego that's insecure and un- uh, that's not capable of saying, hey, maybe you should look into that. I don't know anything about it, but you know what? We've run into a dead end here. I don't have any more options for you. Good for you. Go out and take a look. Let me know how it works. Let me give you a phone number. Uh, there's, you know, got to be holistic somebody in there. Let me help you. You see what I mean? We don't do that. Not in Western medicine. Most of us don't do that. There are some people. But what we do is we sit there and say, if I can't explain it, if it doesn't fit into my little straw, into my reality, then I'm sure as heck not going to recommend it. Mm. And so what do you have to do? You have to go into the veterinarian. And I've got a chapter in my book that says uh, selecting a veterinarian, and that's what it deals with. But it's real easy. Walk in there and say, what do you think about alternative medicine? What is your thoughts, philosophies about about alternative and complementary medicine? And if they get defensive, if they start saying, and start telling you all the reasons that you shouldn't be looking into it, then that's telling you. They're really, really maintaining that narrow-focused security thing, and I wouldn't suggest that veterinarian. If they go in there and say, you know what, I don't know anything about it, I hear things and I, and I believe that, that uh, it's worth looking at, you know, or they say, hey, I've had experience with it, I think it's a great idea, then I, then I would say that's probably a uh, you know, than you might consider. Yes. Now, obviously, if it's a holistic veterinarian, then why not? Because that holistic veterinarian is not only going to be – holistic veterinarians don't say complementary or alternative medicine only. Holistic veterinarians say, I look at everything. There's a lot of advantages for Western medicine, but there's also advantages for non-Western medicine as well. So we're not going to throw anything out. We're not going to throw the baby out with the (laughs) bathwater. Heck no. (laughs) It works too well. We're going to do whatever it takes to get this pet back into into alignment with its well-being and its health because that's what we're all supposed to be. We're all put here to be perfect health and well-being. And when we're not, it's because we moved away from our pathway, and healing is moving ourselves back into that pathway. That's what healing is, Doctor Thomas, and that healing, my, and that pathway inevitably means we're going to die. So we accept the fact that that you, you see what I mean. So if if you came in and and you were told that your pet has a incurable disease and it was going to die in six months, so and you got in the in a state of mind that it was fear and and all this fear and you brought all this fear into the pet's life and then and then maybe you're using some harsh treatment and this pet's got all these side effects and everything and then six months later it's dead. That's not a very good good story for the last six months of that life. Let's say that, that you had a different perspective and you made that fearful state into a loving state. And, and you said, I'm not going to do anything that's going to harm my pet. I'm not going to use drugs that's going to harm my pet. I'm going to do whatever it takes to maintain quality of life, a loving perspective, and I'm going gonna, gonna to take advantage of every moment that I have to be with my pet at that loving connection, that heart-to-heart connection. And if that dog... If that pet died six months down the road, if you step back and you looked at those two stories, what would you want it to be? You certainly want it to be the last six months of that dog to be six months of love and not six months of fear.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. I cannot believe how quickly this hour has flown. Thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing your perspective, your wisdom. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Happy to be here.
1: Thank you. That's Dr. Dennis Thomas. His new book is Whole Pet Healing, a heart-to-heart guide to connecting with and caring for your animal companion. That book is published by Hay House, and you can find out more about Dr. Thomas and his work at drdennisthomas.com. And, of course, I welcome your comments, your feedback about what you've heard today and who you'd like to hear on upcoming episodes of Out of the Fog. You can always reach me through my website, karenhager.com. And thank you for listening today. Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.